So today we're uh, still in the glorious book of Hebrews. We're looking at chapter 6, 20 to about chapter 7. I can't remember if it was like 3 or 5-ish area. Um, the uh, We'll probably start in 19, just to get a slight running start into what we're covering. Now... I don't know about you guys when like you're you know reading through verses or if you're you're doing like you know work to to you know present to a class like this or whatever. But for me, uh, when Pastor Gary called me, he's like, "Oh, it's like twelve verses. That's not too much or whatever." I was, I was like, "That's that's fine. Like, well, you know, we'll we'll just try to you know find the kind of the key points or whatever and and not get too deep in the weeds here." But Man, like I don't know about you guys, but every now and then as I'm like reading through verses, there's always like a word or two that just jumps out at you and grabs a hold of you, and you're just it's it's it could be one of those words where you just easily just kind of like I read over like oh yeah you know as you're reading through, mm-hmm. but for some reason this this particular well these two words really jumped out at me, and uh, I hope I uh, give them the, the the honor that they're due to kind of go into this. So we may not cover what you might think we're going to be covering, but hopefully it's a blessing to everyone that's here, and it might be worth you know other people are at because it definitely was hitting me where where I've been at for the past few weeks. So um, now with that being said, uh, does who wants to open up with prayer? Any volunteers? Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> I'll, I'll pray. Okay. Father in heaven, we uh, just thank you, Lord, for the uh, body of Christ. That the oh Lord. Uh, it's truly a blessing to meet together in union with Christ. And uh, uh, we just thank you for John and his uh, desire to teach. And uh, would you uh, lift him up and strengthen him and guide him in what the Holy Spirit would have him say to us, O Lord, this day. For the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, it's, so does anyone want to read chapter 6, 19 through chapter 7? We'll just say 5. I think it was like between 3 and 5, but we'll just say 5. Nineteen through seven five, Jonathan? Yeah, please. We have this hope as an anchor of the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God most high. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, his name means King of Righteousness. Then also, King of Salem means King of Peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi to become priests to collect a tenth from the people. That is, their brothers, even though their brothers are descended from Abraham. That's everything, Ken? That's all. All right, thank you. Thank you. Um, So... Also, uh, you guys know the drill. Don't wait for me to call on you. It, this might be a little more of a, you know, we might have more discussions during this, which is fine because I'd like to hear people's kind of thoughts, process, and what we're going to be going through here. But um, now, so I, we're, we're probably going to be camping out in really verse 19 and 20. Um, the two words for me really jumped out at me in, in 19, but 
Um, if, Ken, if you mind just reading verse 19 one more time just to, so we can see where we're going here. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So we have this hope and anchor. Those are the two words that really jumped out at me. This hope and anchor. anchor. It's, it's so easy to read over that word hope. Like what, what you know? What what exactly is hope? It could be a number of things. We'll we'll get into that in a second. But it just really, uh, hope and an anchor. Just those two things just really jumped out at me, and I just started kind of diving into those. I'd been sick for the past few weeks, and normally I take about two weeks to get ready, and that didn't go at all like I ever thought. And I was a little nervous, but then this all just kind of came to me, and I just I just went with it, and it, it, it just uh, it, it worked out really well. And I just like I said, I hope. Of someone else's here where I was at when I was going through this, but so this this hope and anchor, talking about entering into the the I, I'm, I may be paraphrasing here the inner sanctuary, like the holy of holies, like Jesus is on the cross, he pays the sacrifice for our sins, he's buried for three days, rises again, defeats death and sin once and for all, ascends to the Father, and kicks in that sort of inner, that door into the inner sanctuary just comes into heaven ascends into heaven kicks it in comes into the presence of the father and takes that anchor and slams it down into the inner sanctuary with the father in the presence of his father and then that anchor is then routed spiritually back down through to us and all entangled inside of us so we we are securely uh, secured into that anchor which sits in to the inner sanctuary of the those holy of holies. So like that that's amazing to think of that type of anchor. It's not an anchor made by hand. It's an anchor made by God. And so we'll get into how strong is this anchor and what it what it plays into sort of with our hope. Um, can someone read verse uh, in chapter 6 verses 13 to 18 we're going to take a look at um, this encouragement to lay into this hope that we've been given. Verses, uh, chapter 6, verses 13 to 18. When God made his promise to Abraham, <clears throat> since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will bless you and give you many, many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Promised. <clears throat> Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is, it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be, be, may be greatly encouraged. We have, we have this hope as an anchor for the, soul, for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. And so, this, so not only did God give us a promise, but an oath for this hope. That, you know, we just read, God who cannot lie. So, it, the promise alone should be enough for God to say, here, here you go. But God took a, a, a step further with an oath swearing to nothing higher than other than himself. So God just went like above and beyond the call of duty to give us that assurance like, hey, I'm promising you, but here's an oath on top of it. Like you you, you can you can, you know, take this to the bank. That he he swore by the most valuable thing which is himself. Mm-hmm. 
So by two unchangeable things, the promise and the oath, we've been encouraged to grab onto this hope, this hope that is there, that has been freely given to us to just hang on to and not let go. Now, it's easy to say to, to lay on to hope, right? You know, I mean, what can that mean? I can mean various things to various people, I guess. Um, it's not something that your hands do, but your heart does, laying on to this hope. Mm-hmm. It's not something you can physically do, but it's more of a heart, mental, emotional thing that you have to do. So there were three types of hope that I was sort of looking at um, to try and kind of categorize them. Um, The the first type of hope is like a feeling like, oh, I I hope I get this job. Like I I put in an application. I hope I get it. It would be great. You know, my life can change or whatever. Like, so there's that type of hope. Um, The the other hope is in objective reality. Um, And then the third hope is Christ is my only hope into getting to heaven. He's the he is the one that I can inherit the, the this this heavenly promise. So in and the hope that's talking about in verse eighteen here is, is the second hope that we're talking about. It's the hope of future glory, blessings, and promises, which is out there in heaven, guaranteed for us. So this anchor that we're talking about is unlike a you know an earthly anchor this is this is a heavenly anchor instead of sinking down into the ocean this anchor is seated strongly perfectly not moving within the inner sanctuary of God's throne room so this this will take a little bit more look at this anchor um now this this anchor that's anchored to my soul, that the anchor that's in the sanctuary, is one side of the anchor, the anchor in the sanctuary, is that completely secured? It's not going anywhere. That nothing can budge it, nothing can break it, nothing can move it. But at the other end, is there a dangling rope? Is it is it just as secure into you and I, that anchor that's in the inner sanctuary, or is it? you know, depend on sort of our actions or does it depend on if we try to sort of physically lay on to this hope that we're talking about? Like, is it is it due unto us how secure that, that other end of the anchor is? Thankfully, it is not. Yes. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's just as secure on one end as it is on the other. It's, it's completely gotten our, its hooks into us spiritually, emotionally. It's, it's you know, when... I was trying to picture like when Christ was on the cross and, you know, us as, you know, believers in this day and age, when we, we repent, we put our faith and, and trust in the finishing work of Christ and we, and we were born again, we're regenerated. It's almost like this, and I could be way off here, but I was just picturing like, like this really quick sort of back in time thing happening in here and now, but 2,000 years ago where it's like you see Christ on the cross and it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm paying for Todd right now, but he's sort of act, you know, uh, activating the, the work that's been done right now. And it's like almost this time continuum thing where you get sucked back 2,000 years ago and Christ takes that anchor and heaves it out into eternity, into time. And it catches on to Todd and it wraps itself around him and says, I've got you. And that anchor is in heaven. And you're now secured into the inner sanctuary of the throne room of God. And so, 
that's just the things I was thinking about with the, with these anchors and and, t- and grabbing onto this hope. Again, it's not the ho- not hope you can do with your hands. It's hope with your heart. It's hope with your with your you know your mind. It's hope with your spirit. So if we look at so kind of speaking about how secure is this anchor. Um, if we want to look at, I put verse six nine, but I must admit, can we look at chapter six verse nine, and in, in, in Hebrew still? Chapter six verse nine. Though we speak this way, sorry. Though we speak this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. Six, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, so, but I guess, but, but I, I should have got a few verses before that, where it's kind of all these warnings, yeah. right? There's all these warnings coming, mm-hmm. but then nine says, "But for you, right. there's these things in salvation." Um, you know, so these these warnings of all these bad things, like be careful, don't fall away, don't mm-hmm. you know, don't apostatize, don't do these things. But then these better things are mentioned. Um, you know, you. And it's given it's given us those warnings, but then we're reassured, saying, you know, hang on to these better things of salvation. It's saying you won't fall away, you won't apostatize, you won't do these things, because because these better things are accompanied with salvation, which you are anchored to, which is in the presence of God. It, it's it's a really strong, uh, you know, hope of an of assurance, knowing that you're completely wrapped into this anchor no matter what troubles what situations what circumstances what comes your way there's this like iron rod grip between you and the anchor and it's not going to break <coughs> so salvation is part of this anchor that we're attached to um If we look at chapter, I believe, uh, these are terrible notes. If we look at chapter 2, verses. Chapter 2, I think verse 14. In Hebrews again, I apologize. Oh, sorry, I think it's verse 3. Yeah. Chapter 2, verse 3. Sorry. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, it was, and it was attested to us by those who heard. Ah, sorry, that wasn't it. Yeah, it's talking. It's a referencing about holding fast, but it's it's making a reference that we. That we're not saved due to us holding fast to the hope, but that we are saved because of us holding fast to the hope that has promised us. That it, it's a, it, it's to show us that you know our salvation is progressing. That we're we're not holding on because we're trying to get saved. We're holding on because we have been saved. Oh yes, I think that's right. Because I did have a fourteen in there, but it didn't make sense. I think that's it. Yeah, please. Have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence we had at first. Hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you. That was at 314. That, that we are holding fast. And, it's, and the holding fast is, it, is being the work of Christ. So us holding fast to this anchor isn't even our work. It's been done for us to hold fast. We've been in Christ died to enable us to hold fast to the anchor. Okay. And we will hold fast to the anchor. Yes, it is. I mean. It's uh, I don't know. When Christ was nailed to the cross, so we could be nailed to the anchor, I guess. Amen. <laughs> yeah, I put here that we don't hold fast and cause the relationship to come about. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I also put. Let's see. Man, I I know it's got a little jumbled here. Um, if we're, I think we're still in chapter three. If we could look at verse three, talking about building the house, like the house that Moses built. Mm. I, I, that's the air I'm looking for. I believe it's verse three of chapter three. Mm-hmm. Yep, verses three and four, pretty much. Yeah. Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself for every house is built by someone but the builder of all things is God that's three and four yeah put that it says that we are his house now I don't know if it mentioned yeah it might, might be a couple more verses yeah I think it's the verse six I think I wrote here Christ is faithful as the son over God's house and we are the house that we hold yeah, so we, and we are his house if we hold on to, read that last part, if we hold on to. Yeah. So the, the holding, the holding on is a house produced act I put here. Yeah. You know, God built the house, he masters the house, he dwells in the house. And he takes the hands of the house and puts their hands on the rope. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it's, 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 Christ is the one, because of his work, he enabled us to hang on to this hope and this anchor. You know, if, so if we're hanging on to this hope, like I've been saying, God is the one that's enabled us to hang on to this hope. So, since this anchor is in heaven, it's obviously not going anywhere. The, the work is finished. The anchor is secured, and this and that same anchor is wrapped all around us. We, you know, it's it's dug into us. We're not going anywhere. Um, why do we take hold of it then? If it's already there, and it's already on us, you know, why, why do we have to take hold of this hope, this anchor? It, since we're all secure, aren't we all set then? So. When when Christ shed His blood, He He bought us freedom from not having to hold on to the hope, hmm. but the empower the but enabling power to hold on. Mm-hmm. It was not the nullification of my will to hold on, but the empowering of my will to hold on. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the canceling of the commandment that I should hold on, but the fulfillment of the commandment to hold on. Mm-hmm. 
And then, um, so, I mean, these, so these are just some of the things that I just, you know, I, I didn't give a lot of the text any of its due diligence because I got so stuck into this hope and this anchor. But is there anything that anyone wanted to interject at this point or anything they're thinking about or... You know, John, in Ephesians 4, talks about that we would not be like tossed to and fro by every wind of mm. doctrine. Mm. And uh, the anchor keeps us, the anchor being Christ, but also the anchor being the words of Christ, the mm. word of God. Mm. And in that sense, we can picture ourselves as those when we uh, start to go a little astray as a ship, that its anchor is starting to give way in the safety and the security of, of that anchor in the, into the ground and the in the bottom of the sea and, and we just have to I think sometimes use those illustrations to say I don't want to be tossed to and fro by that turmoil of that sea I, mm. I want to be in the in, in the calm waters of Christ and uh, be anchored with him so amen uh, it, there's a good connection with Ephesians 4 mm. yeah I actually have a note here that we're, I'm going to end on a, a verse in Philippians actually but um, any other comments or anything that anyone wants to well, I'm glad you're talking about hope in that way because, like you alluded to a little bit, we kind of have this sense of hope that we use all the time. Mm. I, I find myself deliberately not using it in that way, but then also trying to find a way to substitute that. So you say something like, hey, I hope you have a good weekend. Mm. But biblical hope doesn't mean that to me because right. <laughs> sort of acknowledges your weekend could go either way at this point. And I, I sort of, you know, my, 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 my desire for you is that it's, you know, a reward. I, so I find myself unable to say certain things. i got to, use like 46 words to use <laughs> one word that we've been using wrong that we don't use in a biblical sense yeah, you know? yeah. I think people know what it means hey I hope you're doing alright and that kind of thing um, but it's just kind of a weird that that hope is not the hope that we have in scripture it's, it's, it's a word that could cause a lot of confusion to a Christian I think uh, because hope the way we so often use it almost leaves the end undetermined right exactly mm. yeah and that, that's why it jumped out at me cause I, like yeah. you were saying I was like, wow, we've been using this word wrong for a long time. <laughs> you know, it's easy to, to to not think of it in a biblical sense and yeah. to just kind of push on today's, you know, vernacular or whatever to it. So yep. um, yeah, that's why it just really jumped out at me. It's like, this isn't the hope. This hope it's talking about isn't what we naturally think of. <laughs> Even when in the secular way we say, you know, we hold on to hope, but we have a lot of hope. I mean, hope like faith is only as good as the object it's tied to. You know yes, I mean? so, yes. And there's no objective reality to the hope a lot of people have because it's a might happen this way and it might happen that way. I could bring that up to people. I, I think they just look at you like, what, are you obnoxious or something? Yeah. yeah. I think right? No, no. Right. no. Yeah. You know, people are ready, get ready to yeah. account of the hope that is within you. Yes, yes. That's not a change. That's, that's not right. A, that's, right. That, that's not the hope that we're looking at. The hope that we're looking at has yep. a guarantee, a promise, and an anchor in Christ. And even the hope of, you know, Christ being the captain, the forerunner into the inner sanctuary, like, mm. that's the hope we have, too. Like, sure, we have an anchor there right now. We have a, a direct connection to the inner throne room of God. The Spirit of God dwells in us. And we have all those things. But we, someday, at some point, will be in that sanctuary with our captain, the forerunner that went before us. Like, it, that's a guarantee. And we have that hope that someday we will be there right beside him. Yep. It's, uh, it's an interesting word because it really speaks not to the past or the, even the present, but to the future. Mm. And then we as Christians are able more to deal with it, and we oftentimes qualify it by saying we have a sure hope. But, but we have an expectation that's tangible 
and others don't. And I, I think that's why it's such a great thing. It's, mm. it's just such a thing to look forward to in the future. Yeah, I, I like how you put that. We have a tangible hope. We have something to say, like, this is exactly what's going to happen. I think that's mm-hmm. one of those already not yet that we talk about. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's just funny that, you know, Hebrews has these, I mean, there's lots of warnings, but there's also just lots of encouragements, and, you know, it, it's, it's funny, like, when I read through the Old Testament, and it's so easy to, to be like, oh, man, you, you know, you Jewish people, you get delivered out of Egypt, and you see all these crazy miracles, you, you go through the Red Sea, and, like, you're, you're grumbling and, and complaining and stuff, I'm like, how... <laughs> like I don't know how you guys could forget what happened, but we're so like that. Yeah. Like you know, and and it, it's it's easy to just be like the next day to be like, oh my my life's terrible, what everything is awful, what's wrong, and but it's, it's so easy to forget all the times, all the tiny times, big times, ins, insignificant times that God just totally has come through, and it's just easy for the one bad thing to go wrong. Be like, oh that's it, like you know, and we we need like these. You know, God told them to build an Ebenezer. You know, remember when you cross, take the rocks and build this Ebenezer because you will forget. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, so it's good to know that, yep. to come back to this hope yep. and uh, to just, just, you know, come back to that anchor and, and re- reset ourselves. Um, I was going to end on um, Paul here in Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 12. If someone wants to read that, I think what Paul hits hits here really kind of hits home I think what we're, what we're just kind of talking about here like you know it's the now but not yet kind of thing and, and how do we activate this hope and so Philippians 3 verse 12 not that I have already attained or am already perfect but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me that mm. will press on mm-hmm. and lay lay on to so I that I think that's that's how we need to live right there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Wait a second. Let's see. So I probably ended like way early, but that's all I have. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you know, John, in uh, Hebrews 11, verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Mm-hmm. And for the world, they see our faith as something almost mystical, something that's not substantive. Mm. Um, and to a certain degree, they're correct, especially when... Um, you talk to some Christians who are involved in other, say, denominations mm-hmm. or sects that uh, place their faith in miracles and things like this. But when you consider that faith, the faith that we express or have, I should say, is in an object, as Pat was saying, and an object to which we have also the substance of the scriptures, mm. where we have literally human history bearing witness to the very hope that we have. So in other words, the hope is not without substance. That's really what he's saying in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. There is a substance to which is tangible for the Christian when they exercise faith in the very living God who has spoken in time and space. Mm. 
so in, in that sense, um, we should not fear about those fear those who who you could say challenge us to say you know you know you believe in one thing, I believe in another thing, and I think we we have to dogmatically uh, and uh, confidently go back and you know I, I remember uh, just only recently I said to somebody I can't remember the context, but it was like. Uh, in fact, I was talking at, at, at breakfast with my nephew, went into the gospel with my nephew a little bit after hunting in the morning, and I said, uh, I told him, I said, I says, the world is changing, the moral paradigm has changed, mm. and I says, in that, I says, your kids are going to go to school, and I says, they're going to want to teach you, say, let's just choose out of the box uh, a gay political rights agenda and saying that their lifestyle is okay, and, and therefore your children should be taught this to be on the same page with the rest of the world. And I said to my, my nephew Nick, I says, Nick, I says, your response is not going to have any substance because all you're in this moral relativistic world, your response is going to be equal with theirs. In other words, that um, that's your opinion. Mm. Right? Your opinion and their opinion are just coming from two opinion places. Rather than going to the scriptures with a substantive uh, argumentation of this is the way it's always been. Let me show you in the scriptures. It's not just a faith that has no substance. It's a faith that has substance and a belief system that believes in truth. Mm. And we have to approach the world confidently in that sense. This is not a blind hope we have. Right. It has substance. It's gone through the generations of the ages in which we are those who are with, you could say, the cloud of witnesses in Hebrews where we are with them still in this same faith, in this objective God who we worship. It's a little wordy, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's this hope is not like the world defines hope. That's the point I'm making. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that that's that again. That's what was jumping out at me. Like this, this isn't the hope we normally think of when we're. That when we're, it's easy to just read over that word hope and just be like, oh yeah, like Pat was saying, you know, I hope you have a good weekend. It's not that kind of hope. I, I think that in the world, you know, myself before I was a believer, hope always gets disappointed mm. because what we expect is always a high expectation. Either we don't get what we hoped for, or it's much less than we expected, and mm. all these other ramifications we didn't know about. And, it, and it, it, it's sad, especially for those of my friends who are the same age as I am, mm. you know? And, uh, well, what's great about this hope is it, it, it'll obliterate any hope, hope uh, expectations we might have. <laughs> we, have, we have a hope that this is not the end of the story. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we're in the middle of the story. I had a beginning of the story, and now I'm living in the middle of it, but the end is going to be so much more than I can even imagine. Yeah, and, absolutely. And not that the end is the only thing. It's... It's, it's being with Christ through everything along the way. Does anyone have like a sort of an Ebenezer that they look back at? Oh, like yeah. when you get down and you're just like, ah, oh. does anyone? Yes. Yeah. I was thinking of the verse in uh, Romans, suffering produces hope and that's the hope that does not disappoint. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. I think my greatest source of hope is the attributes of God. Mm. And the con- you know, just the grasp that he is sovereign, 
and mm -hmm. always in control of all things. Right. And that is, it is because of the consistency and in, the immutable aspect of his character that never changes, that gives you confidence and hope that he is uh, my situation may be difficult, but he will work it. He's greater than the situation. He will work it for my good and for his glory. That's right. Mm. I think of the Lord Jesus Christ being disappointed, even with what the apostles did. Even, even if he said to them, oh, we have little faith. He knew they had little faith. Mm. And he wasn't disappointed in them. He didn't give up on them. He kept, kept them with him. And then after he arose, he met them on the shore. Jonathan, I wonder if uh, we could entertain, entertain the question of the class because it would just touch upon us. In what way does suffering produce hope? That's right. Mm. You can say that. Mm. Says it, but I'd like to hear people's thoughts on uh, how, how that sort of plays out in all nine innings, right? Yeah. How does suffering produce hope? What's the relationship? Well, I know I know suffering for uh, like things that I've been through. Uh, it, on whatever various stages or levels, but mm -hmm. suffering will, I think one of the points or endpoints of suffering is to finally bring you to that brink of no hope, of just law, of just total and utter, just this is it, that's the end of the line, mm -hmm. and that, and that's when you see God always come through. Mm -hmm. Like He's never late, He's never early, He's always on time, mm -hmm. and you get brought to that brink of just you know feeling lost. And then God comes through in this huge, miraculous, awesome way, however that is. And then I think God uses situations like that to say, "I'll I'll never leave you. I'll always be with you. I'm 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 going to make you stronger through this, and you're going to trust in me even more." And, and I think that's sort of how we go through suffering. Mm -hmm. yeah. I have a wonderful friend, and she said to me one day during the year, she said, "Lean hard, lean hard on Christ." Just and she kept just said that. Just lean hard. And that's what we have to do. Lean hard on him. He loves to have us lean against him and on his bosom and bring everything to him. But we have to lean hard when we sometimes can't see the foot in front of us. You know, the step in front of us. I think sometimes suffering is <coughs> brought about or allowed by God because what he's doing is kicking away the other things we're leaning on. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And, and it's like furniture stripper you know if you once in a while my wife years ago used to have when we had time <laughs> we used to you know take some furniture and just sort of make it make it sort of new again you get years and years of paint and everything on furniture and you really don't see the beauty of it until it's, you take furniture stripper to it <laughs> this potent chemical which just pulls everything away and then you stand back and you see uh, what it is and I, I think suffering is sometimes like that mm. it just strips away definitely suffering brings Humility to us, it humbles you. And mm -hmm. when you are when you are in the midst of suffering, usually it's more than what you can handle by yourself. And so it's almost as if God's using it for two things: one, to humble you, and two, to let you be able to identify with what Christ went through for us when He died on the cross. Mm. One of the greatest things about suffering is that. Because God brings it, we know that it has a purpose. And it's not without value. 
as difficult as it might seem sometimes, and it is, it's not easy, I'm sure I know that, but uh, ultimately, if we take a, a, a larger view, we realize, well, okay, what is God doing here? What, what does he want to tell me? What does he want to teach me? I don't know if we always get that, either. Do you? I think well, we always get what he's trying to teach. It's like, it's mm. Maybe not initially, yeah. but I think after a while you say, okay, so, because uh, if, if, if you, if you, if you give up on the idea there's a purpose to it, then uh, mm-hmm. what is the value? There is not. If, there, if, it, if there's no purpose, the God is bringing through it. Yeah, and usually you can see a little more clearly once you're through the storm. <laughs> well, in the next life, suffering won't be necessary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Apparently it's necessary <coughs> today. It was necessary for Christ, too. Yep. And that's that's the the mysterious part of it too, because God wants us to think like He thinks, in relationship to that suffering. We have this single-mindedness with God. Our faith thinks and agrees with God in that suffering and the fruits of that suffering. Um, I also thought about the fact that uh, uh, Christ's sufferings didn't begin at the last week of His Passion Week, you could say. But as mm. his suffering began, his humiliation actually began at his birth. That's right. That's and right. it continued through, in fact, you could say that Christ experienced a life of suffering to which we are called to uh, in tandem with him. We did. And so we should expect humiliations, experiences mm. within our own life. Mm. And as uh, Julie says, the humility that comes out of that. And it's sure, it just knocks at the door of the human ego. Um, it strips away self-importance and you know self-confidence. And God wants those things gone. He wants complete faith in Him. And that, that's the tough part about life. Because we all, and we may not have the desire to want to be kind of like a, a Saul or a Nebuchadnezzar where, you know, we we'll put our spear in the hillside and we say, "Well, I did all this," or you know, look over the city and say, "I did all this." But even still, even in the small portions, uh, we still do that. Chariots and horses. Yeah, mm. yeah, mm. chariots and horses, mm. absolutely. So um, it's a tough. It's a, you know, as I get older, I, I tell people, I say, you know, our our marriage and our life is stable. We've lived a life, got a lot of fruits that were born. Uh, from decades of being a Christian, and yet life hasn't gotten easier. And, and, you know, my sister there, who's a couple of years ahead of me in age, um, yeah, it, it hasn't gotten easier. I, I in, in some sense, in my youthful ignorance, I, th- I thought it would get a little easier mm. at a certain stage, but it doesn't. From a faithful perspective, it doesn't get easier. But it is, it can get stronger. Mm with faith in Christ. Mm. It becomes more of Christ. So we're at about 14 after John if you've got anything else to say. Uh, I think that's about it. I mean, you know, I, hopefully, like I said, it was... Uh, Hit some of where they're at, and uh, I know I didn't give the rest of the text any of its due diligence, but, um, you know, 
talking about Melchizedek and you know Jesus is just a or Melchizedek was a, a type of, of Christ and mm-hmm. you know Melchizedek didn't have a beginning and, or an end just like Christ and he's the uh, the eternal high priest the great high priest unlike the Levites that would die would have to cover their own sins before they go to the Holy of Holies is just you know we I, I kind of taught on the, the great high priest a, a few weeks ago and so he's mm-hmm. the eternal great high priest that has set that anchor into that inner sanctuary of the throne room of God that is he you know prays before God and appeals for us on behalf of us and intercedes for us and then we are tied to that anchor and he will bring us into that inner sanctuary as each of us individually cross over or when he uh, he comes back and he's just going to make one one strong pull on that anchor and bring everyone home so Father, we thank you for this uh, the morning. We pray for your your word to go forth in power as we honor and glorify your Son's name. And we pray that we give you honor and praise that you are worthy of, Lord. And we thank you for this body of uh, believers here that I just love everyone here. And we're such a, a tight family. And, uh, and I just uh, love what you're doing through everyone that's here, Lord, and through all the men that teach and all the women that help and, and everything. And we just pray, Lord, that we honor and glorify your name here in Southbridge individually in our lives, Lord. And I pray that uh, whoever's teaching today uh, goes forth in power, Lord, and delivers your word with authority through your spirit. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.